I'd like to welcome you to episode 327 of the FCPA Compliance Report. The FCPA Compliance Report, sponsored by Advanced Compliance Solutions, who's proud to offer a new service offering, the Compliance Alliance, which is a three-step program that will provide you and your team a background in, into compliance so that you can consider how your product or service fits the needs of a compliance officer or compliance practitioner. It includes, it includes working with your executive leadership team, a podcast sponsorship opportunity, and in-person training. Each section builds upon the other and provides your customer service and sales teams with the knowledge they need to have intelligent conversations with compliance officers and decision makers. When the program is complete, your team will be armed with the knowledge they need to sell and service any new client. Interested parties should contact Tom Fox at TomFoxLaw.com. In this episode of the FCPA Compliance Report, I have Pat Harney. Pat is the Chief Executive Officer and President of the Ethics and Compliance Initiative, ECI, which recently concluded its annual conference. The keynote speaker was Jeff Sessions. It was a panel of former Deputy Attorneys Generals and a wide variety of interesting other keynote speakers and breakout sessions that Pat details for us. She also gives us a little information about ECI and where upcoming topics, events, and conferences that the organization will put on. It's a very interesting episode, and I think you will enjoy it very much. This is Tom Fox. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of the FCPA Compliance Report. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, and I'd like to welcome you back for another episode of the FCPA Compliance Report. Today, we are in for a real treat, as I have Pat Harnett, who is the Chief Executive Officer of the Ethics and Compliance Initiative. The uh, ECI recently concluded uh, their annual conference uh, in Washington, D.C., and there were, of course, uh, most of the listeners of this podcast will know some very interesting keynote speakers. Certainly Jeff Sessions, the Attorney General, uh, led off, but it was uh, much more than that. And with that somewhat long-winded introduction, Pat, welcome and thank you very much for taking the time to visit with me. Thanks for having me, Tom. It's great to be here. Pat, I really wanted to just get your sense of uh, kind of the highlights of the conference, uh, what you thought the compliance practitioner uh, took away, and from where the chair you sat in, uh, were you able to accomplish what you were trying to do and, and where it may be taking you and ECI going forward? That's a great question. So we, as you know, we hosted our annual conference for the Ethics and Compliance Initiative. And one of the things that we try to do with that event is to both expose practitioners to issues that are on the horizon. We try to give them opportunities to talk with other practitioners who are doing work to improve the quality of their ethics and compliance programs. And then we also just try to engage in a dialogue sometimes that can be a little bit more risky than other times. So this conference in particular, <clears throat> excuse me, in inviting the attorney general and in inviting the former deputy attorneys general, we certainly took a few risks. Um, it was in the interest of having a dialogue about what the priorities appear to be for the Department of Justice under new leadership. And then we spent a lot of time trying to understand what's that going to mean, given all the other issues on the horizon for the ethics and compliance community, what will that mean for their programs? And I think overall, from where I sat, the conference was a great success. I, we had 
really thoughtful conversation. I, we were very pleasantly surprised by the willingness of the attorney general to just be open and candid um, and approachable. And so we also heard from a number of practitioners that they felt that the breakout sessions and the opportunities they had to network were really worth the investment of their time. Pat, one of the things that struck me about some of the other speakers were that they really focused on uh, the new buzzword of operationalizing compliance. I, I would call it doing compliance, but not simply to have a paper program or even some sort of certification of a compliance program, but actually getting out in the field and doing compliance in a, in a wide variety of ways. It seemed like you really were helping people to understand how do you actually do this, in, as you said, uh, the current environment, political and business environment. I appreciate your observing that. One of the things that we did with this event was to lay over top of it the lens that we were trying to help practitioners um, elevate their programs, and in essence, working towards higher quality ethics and compliance programs. So when we put out a call for speakers for this event, we actually asked them to take a look at five principles that we have defined about a year and a half ago about what actually is characteristic of a higher quality ethics and compliance program so that that way the speakers were really challenged in their presentations to not just talk about here's what regulation says your program should look like, but, but how do you actually operationalize it? As you said, how do you embody it? How do you get ethics and compliance to be a mindset in your organization more so than just a function on a chart? Uh, one of the other things I observed was you had a wide variety of speakers from, or I should say, a wide variety of backgrounds. So you obviously had compliance practitioners, you had government regulators, you had uh, academician types. Uh, I'm a son of a professor, so I get to throw that word around uh, <laughs> and love it when I can use it. But you also had uh, uh, representatives of vendors who have both products and services in the compliance space. And that always impresses me because I think it's really important to bring uh, to the compliance community, some of the business solutions that are being created out there. So you had a wide variety of speakers um, talking about, like you said, a, a wide variety of topics. I, I'm going to speak blasphemy in our industry, Tom. One of the things that has, I think, I've, I've now been in the ethics and compliance industry for almost 20 years, and one of my frustrations about our industry and our community is that we can get to thinking that unless you're a practitioner, your opinion is very different and may not be as valid as somebody who has worked in-house or is working in-house. And certainly there is nothing like the experience that comes from having to build and try to sustain a program in-house and being a practitioner. I don't mean to imply that, but I also think that it's very difficult to be challenged to think differently if you don't ever hear a different perspective. Um, and some of the best thinkers out there in our industry are people who are consulting, providing services, vendors, because they see a breadth of companies in a year, whereas practitioners only really see the challenges they face in their own organizations. And even more than that, I too have come from you know, the academic side of, of the world. And, and one of the things that I know, too, is that people who are authors, people who come from completely different perspectives and in different industries also sometimes just have some real nuggets that help you to see your world differently. 
And that's why we also invited authors and um, different folks from universities who've written great books lately. And, and I do think people come away saying, I, I was challenged to think a little bit differently. And in that sense, the payoff is great. One of the, uh, I thought, more interesting panels was the panel that followed uh, Attorney General Sessions, which was uh, seemed to be a variety of former uh, deputy attorney uh, generals under uh, mm -hmm. presidents as far back as um, uh, Bill Clinton. And I was wondering if you might highlight for us uh, some of the things that came out of that panel. We were so honored to be joined by four former deputy attorneys general. We were actually supposed to have five. Mark Phillip was also supposed to be there, um, but he, of course, he got called away at the very last minute and had to send his apologies. But the remaining four, I, some of the things that really struck me about their conversation was that it became very clear that in in the world of the Department of Justice, there is First of all, um, a very real and tangible commitment to enforcing the law, more so than the politics that, especially in Washington, D.C., we can sometimes get overcast by. You know, there's so much conversation about parties and agendas and um, all sorts of things. But these four DAGs basically sat there and said they will forever be. A, essentially a fraternity unto themselves because the people who hold their jobs and the folks that worked for them are so passionately committed to upholding the law and pursuing justice. Um, I think they also were very wise in their thoughts about what the agenda of the Department of Justice in general means for ethics and compliance programs. They talked an awful lot about um, for example, the, the attorney general was saying that the emphasis on the prosecution of individuals will be a priority for the department going forward. And the DAGs were really able to say, we also recognize that when a policy like that is put forward, that there are unintended consequences for ethics and compliance programs. Um, so, so they were really very, I think they, they were really thoughtful about what will these things really mean for programs? Then the, I also, um, just another thought that comes to mind is that they had a very interesting conversation about deferred prosecution agreements and the use of monitors. And they're not in agreement about whether or not the monitoring effort has been successful. Um, in fact, they each hold different views. Two of the four are currently in monitoring roles or will be. The other two, of course, have different perspectives and, and aren't quite as sure that it's worked. So it's just, it was fun to be able to listen into their conversation about those kinds of challenges. I would assume that those types of discussions go on internal uh, within the Department of Justice, uh, because just as any other organization, when you have a variety of people, you're going to have a variety of viewpoints. Unfortunately, uh, you and I and Joe Q. Public rarely get to see that. So it must have been a fascinating exercise to, to see that discussion in public. It, it was fascinating. And one of the things that um, I sort of had a sneak peek into because I was involved in getting the panel together and also trying to um, connect them with the attorney general's office just to sort of, so that they would have a heads up about what, what would be discussed. I, I came to understand that, first of all, they all 
the the former deputies they they know each other very well they and even in planning a panel with them normally when you plan a panel for a conference especially if it's a plenary you do a planning call you make sure you know who the facilitator is you outline the questions you you get together you talk about them you talk about any supporting materials this group basically said we know each other we've done this before just let's out send some bullet points with the big ticket items you want us to talk about and we'll be fine. <laughs> but they also, it became very clear that I suspect that for Rod Rosenstein, you know, the, the former DAGs will reach out to him. He will right. reach out to the formers. There's, there's a camaraderie that among the alumni, if you will, that I think continues no matter what your party affiliation is, no matter what your experience has been. And that was nice. We got a glimpse of that in the way they talked with each other on the stage. Uh, if I could turn uh, uh, some just a little bit, one of the things that many conferences really don't, I think, uh, publicize and discuss quite as much as uh, I think they should are the generally what's called the pre-conference breakout sessions which are generally held the day before or the day after. And I really wanted to ask you about the ECI's breakout sessions because it seemed to me that these uh, the breakout sessions listed really provided an in-depth, and when I say in-depth, I mean in-depth discussion of the topics and really provided uh, certainly more than a one-hour presentation that a speaker like myself or, or any of the speakers you had can give and, and really would train the compliance practitioner on on the current cutting-edge techniques and their uh, subject matters. Uh, did I get that right, or is that uh, the direction that the ECI goes with these? Yes. So we, over the years, modified the pre-conference format for our conferences. And I, I know that there are lots of different conference options around, and often you can go in the day before the official event. There are eight or 10, 75-minute sessions you can go to that are sort of a stone's throw of different issues. For us this year in particular, we had one major track that was prior to the conference, and it was called the Elevating Ethics and Compliance Training Track, the E2C course. It's it's a course that's a six-hour course on the pieces of knowledge and the skills you need to be able to build and sustain and lead a high-quality ethics and compliance program. It's really focusing on what do you need to know to be a, a chief ethics and compliance officer in an organization, not just from the perspective of what are the ins and outs of the program, but how do you make ethics and compliance relevant to the business? How do you get yourself into the C-suite? What do you say to the board? What are the real ethics and compliance risks that a company faces, and how do you integrate that into an enterprise-wide risk management system? So the pre-conference course that we offered was that E2C course, um, and it, it essentially gave people all of that knowledge. And then if they opted to sit for a certification exam, they could, and the majority did, to be able to demonstrate that they're certified to be a leader of a high-quality ethics and compliance program. Um, we were we were real pleased that we got great feedback from the folks that participated in that, um, especially since one of the things we, we try to do is to make sure that when people give us their time for those kinds of things, we, we hear from them, how can we do it better, or what what can we do to make this more relevant? And, and we received good 
good evaluations for it. Pat, I was wondering if you might be able to share some of the upcoming events that uh, ECI is putting on. Sure, I'd be happy to. We have a couple of additional events coming up this year. In July, we have a meeting of our fellows, which is one of the levels of the members in our organization. The fellows program tends to be more senior practitioners in a company, um, and they always have an agenda that is an emerging issue or a challenge for an organization that you don't talk about in a lot of other places. So in our July meeting, the topic is incentivizing ethics and compliance. And we're using the same philosophy to build the agenda. We're bringing in um, academicians who do research around motivational science. We're bringing in some authors who have written a great book on how do you motivate employees to perform and what are the intangible things that help people to do their jobs with a higher level of integrity. And then as a group, they spend time talking about given these great nuggets of information, how do we put it into practice? So that's the July fellows meeting. In the fall, in September, we have a best practice forum, which is dedicated to creating a speak up, listen up culture. How do you help people to create an environment where not only will they raise new ideas, but they'll raise concerns, report wrongdoing, and then how do you address the issue of retaliation? Um, and then toward the end of the fall, we will, in November, we'll have an enforcement summit, which is geared towards primarily enforcement officials in D.C., but also some practitioners. And the topic of that is how can the enforcement agencies incentivize companies that have high-quality programs? So there's lots of great programs coming up. Um, and then we also will be hosting webcasts monthly on new research we're doing or some practices that some of our members are taking on. Pat, unfortunately, we're near the end of our time, but I was wondering if uh, anyone wanted more information on either ECI or any of the topics we've discussed, uh, could you uh, direct them to the website? Sure. Our website URL is nice and simple. It's www.ethics.org. Well, that is uh, pretty nice and simple. I'll, of course, link to that in the show notes, and I'd like to thank you for taking the time to visit with me today, Pat. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox again. I'd like to thank you for listening to this episode of the FCPA Compliance Report. If you've listened to this podcast on iTunes, I would greatly appreciate it if you would rate us as it would help our rankings and also help get the word out about one of the top podcasts in compliance. Also, if you have any questions, please email me at tfox at tfoxlaw.com. This is Tom Fox. Thank you very much for listening, and I hope you'll join me again for another episode of the FCPA Compliance Report. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.